0: On to the science fiction story number one human allies written by Gray Wolfen. The philosopher had stated show me the planet and I'll show you the species, meaning that this planet shaped the life forms on it. I have always followed this theory and it has given great insight to many alien species, both friend and enemy. The new race that had been dragged into this never-ending war was known as human, from a distant sector in the galaxy. Several of their colonies had been attacked by the other side. In response, they came to our side and offered military and logistical support. Their homeworld, earth, dirt, mud, and so many homeworlds unnamed, had an unusual development. In its early forming, where still semi-molten, it had been struck by another protoplanet, shattering both. The whole world was the largest piece and reformed along with the moon. The gravity of the main planet pulled all the heavier elements in, giving it both a much higher than standard gravity and an abundance of metals. Humans were using metal before they developed most systems of writing. Their entire industrial systems were based on the ability to work metal. Now they have branched out into polymers and ceramics, but metal is still the most common. This ease of abundance of metal, along with the high gravity and natural durability of humans, has led them onto a path divergent with most other races' tech. Humans have little use for development of more advanced ceramics, polymer, or crystal-based tech. They carry weapons that fire lead or steel rounds, which most races would find incredibly wasteful and expensive. These weapons are made of metal, which allows for the internal explosion to propel the rounds forward, rather than the electro- or gravitational propulsion. The immense strength of humans allows them to carry both weapons and ammunition of a sort that we would normally mount on light vehicles. The human-armored vehicles are approaching... Airlift was impossible given the immense weight. They are tracked, noisy, and ugly-looking. The lead one stopped before me, and several humans in uniforms climbed out. Hello, sir. Forgive me for not saluting, but I'm not sure if the snipers are about. I don't want to paint a target on you. I'm Colonel Remock, 3rd Armored Regiment. Gesturing at the others, he introduced the rept. Captain Talon, Scout, Captain Smith, Artillery Captain Lawrence, Logistics and Support, and Captain King Armor. What I had assumed from the stories was that armored support turned out to be simply transports. From over the ridge came the actual armored support, short squad ridiculously overpowered and overgunned with cannons larger than some of our interplanetary ships, and the armor to stop those sorts of guns. I have no idea how the enemy will react, but I am glad that they are pointing those death machines in the opposite direction. End of story. Story number two. Outliers. Written by Drich Graith. Thousands of researchers from hundreds of species all over, many equivalent of tens of thousands of Terran standard years, have studied the development and advancement of class one Species. Species capable of defying the odds and successfully reaching FTL travel, and successful multi-planetary colonization. Their findings are extensive, their research unparalleled in both the complexity and variance, but it is not lawless. Outliers, no matter how well defined a system of development may seem to appear, there is a statistical likelihood of an hive mind development in space-faring species. They are likely to reach space-faring technology, but such species, when separated over great distances of space, are supposedly unable to cope and die off due to the severing of the collective mental link. Yet, despite that fact, there is an outlier of the Kenadrol, a people who appeared to develop nearly instantaneous transmission despite the incredible distances in space. Somehow, without clear comprehension, developing FTL communication on a scale never before seen. They, of course, stand out as the most obvious and well-known outlier. There are also the Benadreans, a species of predatory prowlers rarely seen in Class I civilizations. As any xenobiologist or sociological-inclined scholar may tell you, true predators rarely rise to the level of Class I species, simply due to the nature of predatory species struggling to work together. It's basic theory of biology. But the Benedraeans succeeded against all odds, and spent the greater part of the equivalent to 13,000 standard Terran years wreaking havoc before they were put down by the collective forces amassed to safeguard the rest of the Class 1 species in the sector. A decision that stood as the first and still, to this day, only time that the Interspecies Council took action to truly eradicate a species. But amongst any researcher, scholar, or true expert of any real value would tell you, the greatest exception to the rules of Class 1 development came from a single species, around a star named Sol. They defied conventional knowledge in so many ways that the debates about whether to classify them as Class 1 took long enough for the species to discover the Council on their own, a rare, though not entirely unprecedented, experience. First, Terrans deviate from the supposed law of social hegemony. H states that any species capable of FTL travel must first have a unified completely... This law was set down based on the well-researched and consistently seemingly proven fact that FTL development is such a complex process that no species that was wasting resources or effort on internal conflict would be capable of providing the support, knowledge, collective research and societal effort to discover FTL travel and implement it in a meaningful, successful capacity. Most importantly, FTL travel is at most basic stage nearly always develops through antimatter wave development, allowing for the contracting of space in one sector and the expansion in another, in order to prevent passage of a ship beyond the speed of light from its own reference point, despite moving faster than light through the external viewpoint. Specifically, the Terrans refused to unify their research because somehow they justified the competition as a driving force in their work. Competition as opposed to unification was believed to produce better results because any given researcher might be outdone, and this increased the odds of the recklessness and the creativity that seemed to define modern Terran culture and serve as their strongest species' divining motivation. It took the equivalent of 29 Terran standard years to accomplish, but they succeeded, and much faster than many unified and uniformed societies were capable of. But from afar, this was noted, though at the time the details of the process through which F.T.L. drives were created were impossible to understand without exposing the Council to the Terrans and the information-gathering process. Secondly, the Terrans defied the so-called theory of uniform caution that was, until their discovery, considered a core characteristic of Class I species. Unlike their defiance of the law of social homogeny, this was believed to be possible, and thus not a true law. But simply put, the theory states that, to successfully reach Class One status, a species will naturally eliminate risk-taking and unnecessarily reckless behaviors, as the development of more complex technology is inextricably tied to the increased consequences of negative outcomes. Simply put, the better the weapon, the more damage it can do when wielded improperly. Some theorists believe that this was true, but only through chance. For example, if one species were supremely lucky, their risk-taking behavior would simply not result in dangerous outcome before they reached Class One status, at which point the Council would offer sufficient information and assistance to no longer require dangerous experimentation and discovery. Here, the Terrans succeeded through what is perhaps the strange combination of recklessness and sheer audacity. They didn't rely on luck. They simply trusted themselves more than we anticipated. They created machines that their theorists suggested would allow FTL travel, and tested them on their own damn planet, aware that the theory, at the time of their mechanical creation's inception, suggested a small but non-zero chance that they would destroy their planet and create a wave of antimatter particulate expansion in their system, if not properly contained. Other species, when discovering this first method of FTL travel, have, without exception, abandoned it, seeing that the odds of destroying the planet, however small, were unjustifiably risky. When we asked the human scientists upon first council contact why they simply chose to test a machine rather than engage in a potentially centuries-long search of alternative methods that other species have used to reach the star-faring capabilities, The scientists said, well, we just sort of trusted the math and rolled the dice, which is apparently idiomatic speech, meaning that they weighed the positive and negative odds and somehow concluded that the risk was within acceptable bounds, which, of course, explains their refutation of the theory of uniform caution. And the final, most outrageous deviation from the norm of class 1 species is perhaps the least well-studied. Irrationality. Here, scholars have no law to debate because they have never been aware that it would be something even worth mentioning or considering. The idea that a species could advance technologically as far as the Terrans have, or before abandoning their past irrationalities such as religion, art, hunches, or any of the other million strange inconsistencies found amongst the human culture, was simply not considered worthy of mention before them. After all, who would think that it was worth mentioning that once a species discovers the true cause of the genesis of the Big Bang or a singularity expansion incident that started the universal development, that there would still be individuals clinging to superstition? Who would consider it possible that once music or art could be defined by a set of discrete numeric values which a computer could perfectly and flawlessly repeat? Who would even imagine that society would choose to still employ living artists, musicians, poets, writers When computers would be capable of doing so much more efficiently, rapidly, and successfully Again, it was irrational, but it was the core of what makes um Terrans so fascinating to study and work with Upon review, this has led to a simple decision from the Council regarding the existence of the Unified Law and the Exigent Theory of Class I Development, though they have served their purpose in helping identify species capable of reaching Class one status, and though they have provided guidance in defining whether a species that is on the cusp of Class I status is truly Class I, or still reserved from contact, they no longer serve as their purpose. It is the best judgment of this Council at the behest and recommendation of the scholars employed by the study from this program that the laws and theories to be expunged from public record, public teachings, and replaced by the recently requested Theories of Development, a publication currently being written by living beings even. Terran's, if you can believe it, and processed in Sector 28-17 on the Terran homeworld by their most universally accomplished philosopher. After all, who knows the best limits of a system better than the outliers themselves? End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed